The key to sustainable leadership lies in the ability to thrive in uncertainty, ambiguity, and change. Grand Heron International brings you the Coaching Assistance Program, giving your employees on-demand coaching to manage through a challenging situation and arrive at a solution. Visit grandheroninternational.ca slash podcast to learn more. This podcast is part of the C-Suite Radio Network, turning the volume up on business. Welcome to the Keep Leading Podcast, a podcast dedicated to promoting leadership development and sharing leadership insights. Here's your host, the Leadership Accelerator, Eddie Turner. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Keep Leading Podcast, the podcast dedicated to leadership development and insights. I'm your host, Eddie Turner, the Leadership Accelerator. I work with leaders to accelerate performance and drive impact through the power of executive and leadership coaching, facilitation, and professional speaking. Today, perhaps more than ever, it is important for leaders to learn how to drive change. We must learn how to drive change We want to adapt and be effective so that we're not just surviving, but we are thriving through the chaos engulfing our world. My guest today, Dr. Marina Theodotu, is a change management leader focusing on people, engagement, and culture. Dr. Theodotu develops and curates learning experiences to push boundaries and inspire the workforce at the Department of Defense. She holds a doctorate in organizational change and leadership from the University of Southern California. Dr. Theodotu, welcome to the Keep Leading Podcast. Thank you so much, Eddie. It's a pleasure to be here. I'm a big fan of your program and I love what you do and just uh, simply excited to be here and join you and your guests. Well, I'm excited to have you. Dr. Theodotu, please tell us how you became interested in change. Well, I'm so glad you asked because change is is what happens to us every day, right? Change is part of nature and it's uh, the only constant, as we know. That's what Heraclitus said so many thousands of years ago. But how I came to it was uh, through my my life and career trajectory. So I've done a lot of different things. I started in banking, financial services, then I went to, into management consulting, and now I'm in learning and development. And I did this across different verticals. So in the private sector, in nonprofits, and now for government, and across different geographies. So Americas and uh, Middle East and the European Union. And of course, now back in the U.S. So when I look back uh, about five years ago in 2015, and I looked at my career and what I wanted to do going forward, and I realized that there were two 
threads that I could pull. And one of them was change and the other was learning to lead. And uh, then I came across this uh, amazing doctoral program at the University of Southern California, Rossier School of Education, that was exactly uh, focusing on this. So I applied for the program and completed it. And actually, it changed my life because it gave me the practical applied research perspective. And so I can have that lens now when I do my work and I do my research. And as you mentioned earlier, my focus is implementing change and helping organizations and individuals optimize their performance through change. Wonderful. So you're saying your life was a case study in change. And <laughs> you can you can say that, yes. <laughs> and you took it a step further and formalized it by going through a doctoral program that would immerse you in studies of change and allow you to, you said it changed your life. That's the ultimate change if something changes your life. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Yeah, absolutely. No, it, it, it really did. And uh, like I said, it, it helped me put things in perspective when when you go through through so much change in your own life and you are and now we are all in this incredible incredible unprecedented time where change has been thrust upon us in in so many different ways it's so critical to be able to navigate and adapt and be able to to shift forward and look ahead without losing our positivity and and our drive Indeed, that is critically important. So how can leaders drive change during the time of COVID? So actually, I've been studying this, and I just recently wrote an article the last few days, actually, about this uh, exactly. And what I did, I went to Amazon Prime. A lot of us are, are still under lockdown. So we're quarantining. I've been reading and what I call binge learning. So recently I've been watching this docuseries on Amazon Prime called Regular Heroes. I don't know if you're familiar with it, but in it, what they did is they, they reached out to regular heroes, people that live in our communities that are are first responders and doctors, but also grocers and inventors and truck drivers and people that while we've been uh, working safely at home, they've been out there in the front lines suiting up every day and putting away their fears so that they could they could stock our grocery sh store shelves for us and keep us safe, deliver healthcare for us, and also deliver our packages. So I studied 15 of these people that have been featured in this uh, docuseries, and I wanted to distill some common threads that we could apply as, as uh, individuals and learn from them. So here's what I found. I found three things, that they stay positive. So regardless of the difficulty, all of these 15 folks that were featured, these regular heroes, all, all stayed positive. They said that, you know what, it's really tough out there, but I'm going to stay positive because I have to deliver. I have to deliver food to the homeless, uh, said one, one woman out of... Uh, Actually, looking at the research right now, she is based out of uh, LA and she said I, she was determined that she wants to continue to push uh, forward somehow despite of the difficulties. Another participant in this docuseries is Trevor. He's based in New York City. He was uh, a senior inventory tech in a New York 
hospital for special surgery. And he said that I stay positive because I need to. I need to get things delivered in the hospital so that people can live. A third participant said, you know what? I have to practice what I preach. A reverend, again, in LA, he said that he's willing to put his life on the line and practice what he preaches. So these people are staying positive. And we see that uh, Carol Dweck did her research around growth mindset and actually has proven that people that are focusing on staying positive can actually do better and do more and be more successful. So that's one takeaway, staying positive. The second thing is that I found in these 15 amazing regular heroes is that they serve selflessly. So I did a little bit of research on that and I found that you actually have the concepts of motivation and altruism that was defined back in 1875 by Auguste Comte. And he said that altruism is the behavior driven by the concern for others' welfare as a consequence of overcoming self-interest. So these these regular heroes are serving selflessly. They're not thinking about themselves. They're putting their selves second. They're putting us first. So this is really critical because they're actually helping elevate all of us. This is another concept that Keith Ferrazzi is talking about in his book, The Leading Without Authority. He calls it co-elevation. So if we all help each other, we're co-elevating each other. And the third thing that I found is that these leaders, everyday regular heroes, are offering practical help. So they're not dilly-dallying with with theory and what to do or freaking out. They're out there delivering things. So for example, this little girl, she's like the youngest participant in this docuseries. She's 14 years old. She delivers art kits to kids around the country. And uh, she says that, you know what? These things cost me like $1,000 to send out every month, but I want kids to know that there's someone out there looking out for them. That's what she said. So offering practical help. This other inspiring guy, a a restaurateur in uh, New York City, in the lower east side of Manhattan, he actually said that he didn't know what to do in the beginning. He had to furlough all of his employees. So what he did, he decided to make peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. So he started making hundreds of sandwiches and giving them out to first respondents. So that's practical help. So these leaders we're learning today, we're seeing leadership shifting. And and I'm looking at these regular heroes. And these are the three things, staying positive, serving. Like, how can we make a difference in our team today? How can we help our colleagues? How can we all work together? And the third thing is offering practical help. So These are the three things that I think that we can do, each one of us can do today to actually help navigate this unprecedented change. Very good. So thank you for those three methods, staying positive, being selfless, offering practical help. And certainly Keith Ferrazzi is a heavyweight in our industry. And that uh, phrase he's introduced in his latest book, to co-elevate, is something that serves leaders well as they're trying to drive change. And I must say, I've heard of binge watching when it comes to Netflix, but leave it to a PhD to say she was binge learning during the pandemic. I love it. <laughs> that, <laughs> yeah, that's it. That's what I've been doing. <laughs> well, very good. So I'm talking to Dr. Marina Fidotu, and we are talking about 
Leaders Driving Change. We'll have more with Marina right after this. This podcast is sponsored by Eddie Turner, LLC. Organizations who need to accelerate the development of their leaders call Eddie Turner the Leadership Accelerator. Eddie works with leaders to accelerate performance and drive impact. Call Eddie Turner to help your leaders one-on-one as their coach or to inspire them as a group through the power of facilitation or a keynote address. Visit eddieturnerllc.com to learn more. This is Simon T. Bailey, author, and you're listening to the Keep Leading Podcast with Eddie Turner. Okay, I am back. I'm talking to Dr. Marina Fidotu. Dr. Fidotu is a researcher and an organizational development expert. And we're understanding what it takes for you and I as leaders to be able to drive change. And so before the break, she gave us three very good tips that we can use during the time of COVID. But now, Dr. Fidotu, I'd like to switch to the organizational setting. In our businesses, in our nonprofits, how do leaders drive change? Thank you, Eddie. So this is this is a great question. I want to go back to uh, a great model that was defined by these two professors at USC. Their name are their their names are Clark and Estes. So this model is called the KMO model, and studied it and used it in my dissertation. And actually, it makes a lot of sense because I like it because it's practical. So this model says if you want to implement change, you have to do three things. You have to Make sure that people have the skills they need to go from A to B. So when, we talk, when we're talking about change, we're talking about change behavior. Today, in, we're in A, and tomorrow we want to go to B. But in B, people need to be behaving differently. So do they have the skills, the knowledge to move from A to B? So the first lever is this: the knowledge. How do we provide people the knowledge and expertise so that they can be doing things differently tomorrow. So that's the first thing, the first lever. So the second lever is motivation. So how do you motivate people? How do you take away the fear? How do you make them feel psychologically safe that change is going to be difficult, but it's going to be better. It's going to be, it's going to be good when we change. That's the motivation part. That's the most difficult thing to do to motivate people to embrace change. Now, the third thing is this organizational infrastructure. It's the tools, the technology. So for example, during COVID, we had to all start working from home. So three things. Do we have the skills to use WebEx and Zoom? That's uh, that's the the K component. Are we motivated? Do we feel safe that we that we're we're at home working safely? But do we feel connected with the other members of our team that are working in other parts of the country or the world? How do we motivate people to come back to that screen and do the work? And then the third piece is the organizational infrastructure. Are does our team have the tools? Do they have the Zoom, the Slack, the Miro, the the WebEx that they need to to make it happen? So change is complex, and uh, by no means I don't want to simplify it into two into three basic things. But it does help to to start with small steps, and these three basic levers can help us start working and implementing change in our organizations. 
So you've introduced a model for us. And anyone who knows me knows I love models and I love frameworks. So thank you for this. So the KMO model, and that stands for knowledge, motivation, and organization. That's right. And that's uh, Clark and Estes, the creators of the model. Clark and Estes. That's All right. right. Mm-hmm. Well, certainly a good model to be able to use inside of organizations. And as you've said, uh, certainly organizations have had to consider uh, something as simple as how you use Zoom, uh, but not just use Zoom, but use it effectively. And I remember having to start sessions prior to uh, March 2020 with explaining the layout of the Zoom screen when I uh, led meetings online. And now it's a given. Everybody understands the layout as much as they do Facebook or some other daily social tool. Isn't that amazing? Yeah. Yes. And so now it's even, of course, (laughs) changed how we show up for meetings and how we are able to... uh, how effective we are in our organizations has changed because it's quite frankly leveled the playing field. It's no longer about someone having a corner office. Everybody has the same size square where you show up to the meeting. (laughs) That's exactly right. That's exactly right. Yeah, you're absolutely right. I think COVID has, has actually made things much more informal in a sense because we are actually, we can see you know, we are in our living rooms and our offices at home and people can actually see part of of us in our living space. So it's quite interesting. It's fascinating, actually. We're more human now. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, sometimes too human, but we won't talk about some of those mishaps <laughs> we've seen. <laughs> now, if I am a leader listening to this conversation, and we've talked about the organizational context, what we need to do at a higher level. But what about me personally? What if I am a manager who needs to transition from managing to truly leading? What steps do I need to take? Yeah, that's a, that's another great question. Thank you so much for for posing that because we do want our audience to to think about that. And there are a lot of things that we can do. So as leaders, as managers transitioning into leadership, we want to we want to start shifting perspectives, right? Shifting perspectives from the the tactical to the strategic, from being analytical to also being integrators, from being specialists to being generalists, and my favorite, from from being bricklayers to architects. There's a great article that Michael Watkins wrote in Harvard Business Review in 2012 that actually inspired me to to distill these seven the seven approaches and I mentioned four of these it's but the the basic gist here is that Peter Drucker said another favorite quote of mine that managing is doing things right and leading is doing the right thing so that right there is so critical because it uh, for me it denotes this shift it's it's a mind shift it's a shift from the everyday tactical to the bigger picture because as leaders we need to be able to articulate the vision where where are we going and also remove the obstacles in the way so that means that we can no longer just focus on being specialists on one thing, we have to transform to being T-shaped people from from I-shaped people, and and I love that. That's uh, that's actually the CEO of, of the of the company Ideo came up with that uh, T-shaped people 
concept a few years ago, as, as we all know. And he said that, so the, the vertical part of the, of the T is the specialization we need to have. And then the horizontal part of the T is the other skills that we need to build that are, that are broader. And so and being able to communicate, communication skills, collaboration, creativity, empathy, candor, all of these, all of these skills that as leaders we need to, to cultivate so that we can help our team follow us to the path ahead uh, and follow our vision. So this is all very exciting. That's an interesting model. So T-shaped and then I-shaped. What is the I-shaped for? So I-shaped is just a, somebody who is a, just a specialist in one thing, that one thing only. So, so for example, let's, I don't want to pick on accountants, but let's pick on uh, an accountant is a, is a specialist, just, just does accounting, but a T-shaped accountant is a, is a managerial accountant. So they have the vertical part of the T, which is again still the accounting, but the t- the top part of the T is the horizontal part. That's the that's the broader perspective of the whole business and and the management aspect of accounting and how do you really apply it to make business decisions. So that's one basic example of I people and T shaped people. And actually now there is comb shaped people, which is. A, People with multi-modal that have several areas of expertise or polymaths rather, that uh, is quite interesting. That's that's also something that uh, has been becoming more popular. So the bottom line, Eddie, is that we need to be adaptive and adaptable to change and we need to keep learning. So lifelong learning is so critical to leaders. Indeed, which is why you've been spending COVID binge learning. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> You're walking That's the talk. Right. I love it. And of course, you reference uh, Michael Watkins, the renowned Harvard professor, and that article that he wrote in Harvard Business Review. Many people might know him, may not know his name, but they know the book, The First 90 Days, especially those in HR. That's a very popular book that a lot of folks reference. So good. I love it. You are helping me geek out here in this. Session. Yeah, I love that book. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you for, for reminding us of that. That's yeah. Yeah. It's all, it's all about standing on the shoulders of giants, right? That's how, and hopefully sometime in the future, others will stand on our shoulders and we can all co-elevate. Co-elevate. Yes, absolutely. Uh, hashtag Keith Razi. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Oh boy. So, you know, you know, I saw something interesting about you. I see that you're involved in an upcoming TEDx. That's right. Tell me about it. Yeah. So I've been involved in TEDx events for the last decade almost. This will be really? my Yes. This will be I my I thought seat. this was something new. <laughs> no, actually I've I've organized four so far. So three. TEDx Nicosia back in Cyprus. And the first one was in 2011. This year, this will be our second TEDx TAU event at the Department of Defense. How about that? That's right. Okay. And we're very excited. It's going to be, it is an internal event, so I cannot reveal details, but I can talk in general about TEDx events. Uh, I love them because they're a way to 
to give regular people that are doing extraordinary things the platform to share that their ideas. So we, we're all familiar with TED Talks. And uh, so when you organize a TEDx event, you have both the responsibility, but also the empowerment to curate uh, the experience for the participants. So, and, and I have to be clear that you cannot do a TEDx event alone. Uh, it takes a village. It takes an amazing team. I've always had great teams working selflessly. Again, there's no TED, TEDx events are nonprofit. There is no cost. So, and of course, now we're doing them within the Department of Defense at DAU. So they are a learning event for DAU. And it's a wonderful way to bring people together to start thinking differently. And right now we're in the middle of training our speakers. We have 12 speakers. I've always had 12 speakers in all of my events. So that I did previously independently. So now as well uh, here at DAU, we are, we have 12 speak. we had 12 speakers next year. Last year, we have 12 speakers this year. And I can talk about the bootcamp that uh, we've built. So we've built a, a 10 week bootcamp to prepare speakers and help them create their talk. So TED Talks are pretty difficult because they have to be concise. Every TED Talk has to be 18 minutes or less. And this year, because we are doing the event completely online, virtual, the the talks will be shorter, will be about 10 minutes. And so there's an art and a science to doing that. But uh, as a rule of thumb, for every minute of TED Talk, there's an hour of practice behind the scenes. So 18 minute TED talk, 18 hour practice. So it's, it's a lot of great work, but it's so inspiring and so amazing to see all these speakers come up with their ideas and, and mind map them and narrow them down and then create the talks. So it's, it's exciting. Thank you for giving me the opportunity to share a little bit of that. And yes, because the theme of TED Talks is ideas worth sharing, and we all are familiar with how certain TEDx talks have made it to the, the main platform of TED and truly changed the world. Can it be said that you are using this as another way of being a leader who's driving change? <laughs> Thank you for pointing that out. Actually, yes, you can say that. You can say that uh, we are we're using TEDx as a as a platform to drive change. That's exactly right. Very good. I have thoroughly enjoyed talking with you. What's the main message you'd like to leave with our listeners? Well, I would like to to leave our our listeners with with this. So you can lead from anywhere you are. My one of my favorite quotes is by President Theodore Roosevelt who said, "Do what you can with what you have where you are." And so keep leading. And thank you, Eddie, for having, me, <laughs> for having me on the show. I really enjoyed it. And thank you to all our listeners. And where can my listeners learn more about you? They can reach out to me on LinkedIn. That's the, the easiest and fastest way. All right. Well, we'll make sure we drop a link to your profile in the show notes. So no matter where people are, they can connect with you. Connect with Dr. Marina Thedotu. She's an amazing person who you want to know, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you for being a guest. Thank you. And thank you for listening. That concludes this episode, everyone. I'm Eddie Turner, the Leadership Accelerator, reminding you that leadership is not about our title or our position. Leadership 
is an activity. Leadership is action. It's not the case of once a leader, always a leader. It's not a garment we put on and take off. We must be a leader at our core and allow it to emanate in all we do. So whatever you're doing, always keep leading. Thank you for listening to your host, Eddie Turner, on the Keep Leading Podcast. Please remember to subscribe to the Keep Leading Podcast on iTunes or wherever you listen. For more information about Eddie Turner's work, please visit eddieturnerllc.com. Thank you for listening to C-Suite Radio, turning the volume up on business. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.